there is one thing that just freaks me out at the moment, and that is the number of wars. We don't have a war at national level of our very own, so we've chosen instead to meddle ourselves amongst the wars of others. It's fun, though. Yes, it's fun. Exactly. I mean, it's yes, right, yeah. exactly. Mark, hi, good morning. Good morning. I know you've just come back from the World Economic Forum, and I was wondering whether there are a lot of economists there. Oh, yes, there's plenty of those. We have recently had something of a debate here about economics qualifications, and in particular, what's been brought into question is a PhD, as I understand it, in economics. And I thought that opens a whole lot of things for discussion. You're talking, of course, about Tabi Lakoa, who just today has stood down from the Presidential Economic Advisory Council after claiming that she did have a PhD. And, and all the boards. And, so. and a whole bunch of boards, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, she doesn't. It's really depressing. She does have a BSc. It's not like it's all a bunch of lies and stuff like that. She's demonstrated that she has a BSc from the LSE, no, no less. This is much higher qualification than I ever got. <laughs> I don't know about you, but... And I think she's even got a master's, actually. That's been verified. Yeah, that's right. But it begs the whole debate about the necessity and the value attributed to academic qualifications per se. I come down on the side which says that knowledge and business acumen are far more valuable than a certificate, unless that is a very specific qualifications such as dentistry or uh, electrical engineering where very specific technical skills are required. And so I'm not promoting the need for degrees. In fact, I would argue some people get degrees just to get jobs. And so that's where we've lost our way. And I'd, I'd far rather see more artisans in South Africa than more qualified, unemployed graduates. What does also come into focus is that recently we've had so many political lies being told and when people get found out, they double down. They, they don't go, oh, I'm sorry, you caught me out there. And what I really meant to say was this. And it suggests that corruption and the concert parties involved are so endemic in our particularly political and, of course, in business worlds that one doesn't know what to believe. And more importantly, one doesn't know what to vote for. Yeah. And so it is a depressing photograph of our position yeah. in Asia. All of the surveys, as far as I'm aware, show that there's an en enormous correlation between people who pull themselves into the middle class through education. It's almost in indisputable, except for the fact that causation is not correlation and correlation is not causation. Yeah. So uh, it's possible that people who would have been successful in the world anyway start off their road to success by doing a university degree. And if they hadn't done it, they would still be successful. But still, there is this correlation. So South Africa also has a, quite a small proportion of university graduates, about 15% of the matric class of every year, if I've got this right, goes to university and gets through. Whereas in the US, for example, it's about 50%. Most of Europe is about 50% of the population goes on to get university degrees. So we're behind in this. I couldn't be a stronger proponent of the need for education. I think it is the ultimate route to equality. But you talk about filters, how many people get through and how many people then get through and so on. We've just had announced that the overall pass rate for our metrics was, I think, 82.9%, call it 83%. And in some provinces and in some subsectors of the education system, numbers were as high as 98.2% and distinctions left, right and center and so on and so on. Which is fantastic. But the real issue is that only about 60% of 
of the 1.2 million people that start school every year actually get to matric at all. Okay. And so there's a, there's a massive filter to get to matric. And now you're saying even if you get to matric and you get a university entrance, then only 15% of those with university entrances actually get through to qualify with their degree. And so if you follow that all through, it's a minute percentage of the starting population that actually get to go to university and get a degree. And that's probably why degrees are valuable. Beyond what you've learned, they're valuable per se because they're rare. When I was at university, I was trying to get a law degree. And in order to do that, we had to do Latin. And Latin was really, really difficult. <laughs> All of the other stuff was great. And uh, we, we said to our Latin lecturer, we know that we're not going to use Latin, but we know why they've got Latin in this course, because it's a sift. And I'm about to get sifted. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, the only thing I remember about Latin was the, the tenses of love. Amor massimata, mamus martus mat, which is I love, we love, you love, everybody loves, or some shit like that. Anyway, so yeah, my Latin, my Latin is quo vadis, what, what, quadrat demonstrandum. That just, that was the Latin we used in mathematics. We used to, after proving a sum, you would write QED at the yeah. bottom, yeah. which we yeah. said was quite easily done, but it was actually quad demonstration that was required to be proven. Anyway, (laughs) you see how latent up we are here, man. Let's move on from this. We are running (laughs) It is interesting to me how high the pass rate is in South Africa now. You know, what the level of pass rate is. I mean, clearly these exams are not demanding enough. They're just pushing through too many people, is my interpretation. It's ridiculous. I saw in some private schools, the average student is getting four distinctions. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. just a, It's just amazing. Amazing. Anyway, all right. In these very uncertain, difficult times, all kinds of problems all around the world, it is interesting that extraordinarily, the American stock exchange is just flying. This is fascinating. I think there's a danger that Donald Trump, or so likelihood that Donald Trump is going to be the next president of the United States. And even so, the S&P and the Dow are at record levels. It's just amazing. I guess it's just liquidity. I just people want to be able to walk to market, and they're buying indices as much as they're buying stocks and so on. But we've talked about that a bit. You raised Donald Trump. Okay. Now, it's curious to me. I mean, he's by process of elimination now. There's only two of them in the race for the New Hampshire. And the other guys pulled out and decided to back Donald. And I'm just curious why... The Democrats are being so quiet. In particular, it seems to me that Kamala Harris is absent from the debate. Maybe she's doing some work on the sidelines or something. But it seems like it's Biden or nobody. I'm wondering whether that's the cleverest thing they've ever come up with. What do you think? I do think Kamala Harris hasn't been a great deputy president. Particularly, obviously, she hasn't stepped up. Yeah, sure. Partly that is because... It's just it's such a terrible job because you, you're always playing second fiddle. And there is a debate now about whether or not Biden should choose a different running mate. And if he chose somebody who had great appeal, he, he could negate the main electoral problem that he has, which is that he's very old, right? So people are thinking, oh, my God, she's, she's w- w- one part beat away from the presidency. So yeah, yeah. if he selected somebody who people would welcome as possible stand-in president, Maybe they'd vote for him. I think that's exactly right. If they had an outstanding running mate, 
And if, say, Biden were to fall asleep during the election, <laughs> yes, so, yes, yes. Then, then his running mate could take center stage and they'd have a chance. Anyway, it's, it's all a bit beyond my pay grade, American politics. Other than it's quite an interesting mechanism of votes per state, and I, I've never really fully understand it. I mean, it's not as though Trump is a spring chicken either. One of his speeches, he confused Nancy Pelosi and his opponent, Nikki Haley, very obviously. So I, I actually very sympathetic to Nikki Haley's perspective that what people don't want is the, is the dinosaur competition that they had last time. But anyway, they're probably going to get it. Anyway, home news, what are you talking about? In your absence, there was another fire in another so-called kidnapped or hijacked building in, in Johannesburg. Now, I, I stand to be corrected, but I, I can't remember a Johannesburg that ever so now and again burst into flames in the last, my lifetime, say. And so we have to start wondering what's causing it. And it seems what's causing it is that we've got an influx of homeless people with whatever stuff that they need to keep themselves warm with, and, and, and that can start fires and things. I don't know. Um, but it seems to be symptomatic of an increasingly failed city across any number of dimensions. I, do you have a better understanding of our fire history in Joburg? It's the year of the fire. I think we had 27 fires break out in the Table Mountain Reserve, which is also a high. And so maybe it's weather. Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's the wrath of God. I, I don't know. We're getting a lot of fire going on here, Tim. No, no, no. I think you're pointing to something important. I was talking to people about getting Wi-Fi into townships, into South African townships, just ch casually chatting with the people who are doing it. And they're saying, you just absolutely won't believe how many backyard shacks there are in S South African townships. Not with Wi-Fi, it turns out, with DSCV. But it is incredible. The whole backyard shack renting out parts of very small properties to people who are coming from the rural areas. It's, it's very lucrative for, for people who've got township houses in townships that are close to the city. So people say you could, you could have six houses attached to every township house, six backyard sort of shacks attached to every township house. It's just a, a, an extraordinary number and incredibly dangerous. So you can imagine the strain. Why is it dangerous? Is it because of the fuel that is because they're using fuel to keep warm and to cook food and so on? I guess that's, that's the root cause of it. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. A, yeah. Gas. Precisely. It's the sort of fires that, fires that get out, out of control, gas cookers. Yeah, okay. And in the good old days, there was electricity. That's yeah, true. Yeah, yes, yes, exactly. Fires. I, I presume, yeah, yeah, good point. That's presumably yeah, one of the okay. things that is, that is exacerbating because people are using candles for light where they didn't before. Talking about various places in the world and comparing them to us, I read in some interest that Australia has now cancelled the concept of a golden visa. Yeah, I saw, I saw Portugal had done the same thing. So you can't buy your way into Australia or, and I imagine, an increasing number of jurisdictions where previously you just needed money to become a citizen right. or whatever their qualification was. And I think they've, they've had enough. And I'm interested to know why, because I would have thought that's quite a cheap source of capital for the country if they, if they require you to invest in a significant bond. And the only explanation I can come up with is that there's too much money floating around which doesn't have the cleanest background. <laughs> okay? And so that's what I think is happening. It sounds like a great idea to allow like rich entrepreneurs to come to your country and then they'll yeah. create jobs and they'll make businesses and stuff like that. Yeah. So the people that you end up with are the crooks. 
<laughs> yeah, and so, that's that's been found out. So you go like, why don't you come and buy a decent flat in Portugal and, yeah, and a million it's, it's, euros it's, it's, worth of Portuguese bonds? And they say, well, actually, I think you're buying the whole building. And they go like, okay, yeah. And I was going to start a cocaine manufacturer. I, I don't know. Yeah. So the world is full up with rubbish, eh? There's trouble, man. I was writing about this yesterday. I'm an optimist by nature, but there is one thing that just freaks me out at the moment, and that is the number of wars uh, or the number of conflicts, the number of territorial conflicts. Territorial, not only territorial. There are many other divides beyond territory. There are many other divides not defined by territory. It so happens that territory also intersects with, uh, you know, beliefs and customs and religions and things, but yeah. I had never heard of the Houthis until it turns out that they are going to change shipping around the globe. One small group in Yemen that doesn't control even the, the whole country, they are going to affect supply chains around the world and start pushing ships around the old Cape Sea route, the ancient route. No, I, I have to go with you there. I mean, in my social circles, yeah, exactly. in my social circles, the question of the day is who are the Houthis? Okay. But here's the thing, the missed opportunity, because they're all diverting their shipping past the tip of Africa. And when they come yes, within yeah, exactly. a docking distance of Cape Town, they're like, sorry, guys, parking's full here. Okay. So a major, you know, with an unfortunate cause, but an economic opportunity is for Cape Town Port to be thriving because the Middle East is locked to the Suez Canal and similar gateways through the Gulf. And yet we are not ready for them. Anyway, yeah, but there is a lot of war. Just to talk about the sort of crazy wars that are going on a little bit more, I don't know whether you've seen this conflict between um, Guyana and uh, Venezuela. It sounds just like, it sounds almost exactly like the Ukraine situation is repeating itself. Guyana has been the fastest growing country economically in the world for the past five years. And the reason is it's a very small country, 800,000 people, northern South America, and they've discovered an absolutely enormous amount of oil borders on Venezuela. Venezuela, population 16 million, and Venezuela has an old territorial claim over two-thirds of Guyana. <laughs> you, know, you hardly need look much further for the cause for war. Money. Is it always money? I don't think it is. I think increasingly it's differences of ideology that are resulting in war, not just money. Not to, People aren't just, they're not economically founded wars. they they're founded on more serious issues, and that whole discussion is beyond my pay grade to talk about. I think there's three reasons. I say I've, I've got three reasons as though I've thought about it a lot. I've thought about it a lot because I wrote about it yesterday. <laughs> so, just, just being honest here. Mm. The first problem is there are more rogue states. And I just think rogue states, when you get into a rogue state situation, your political position is becoming more dubious. What you do is you create a crisis in order to escape a crisis. So as we know, Venezuela has been an absolute disaster area after these kind of crazy left-wing governments. Uh, inflation has just exploded. There's been a, hu a huge immigration. The economy is down in the dumps. So what do you do? You create a crisis with your neighbor in order to divert attention away from um, the existing economic crisis at hand. You could say the same sort of Logic applies to Russia and Ukraine. We don't have a, a war at national level of our very own. So we've chosen instead to meddle ourselves amongst the wars of others. Because it's fun, though. Yes, it's fun, exactly. though. I mean, it's, yes, yeah. yes, yes. So, you know, that's what it is. 
We've got to <laughs> And if you guys are going to have a war without us, we're going to come and have a chat about that. Okay. Yeah, uh, this is true. Not to make small and big issues, but yeah, that's yeah, that's that's the, yeah. the, the sadness <laughs> of it all. It is a great thing that South Africa is not involved in a war, that we live in a peaceful area. It's one of our miracles. Yeah, actually, it's one of our miracles. Instead of a civil war. Yeah, instead of a civil war, we just we came to a, the logical conclusion. Instead of a civil war, we got a constitutional democracy. I mean, what miracle is that? Yeah, okay. When I was in Davos, not to drop names or anything, but I bumped into somebody from Ukraine who showed me the app on his phone for when you're getting bombed incredibly creepy. It looks like ESCOM's a push. It says high likelihood of bombs here. Yeah, level five, creepy as hell. And then it tells you when bombs have fallen. Ah, ah, and it, ah, ah. Bombing will take place in your neighborhood between 8 and 9 p.m. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd still rather have electricity and I'm still there and they would still rather not have bombs than good apps. Anyway, my observation for the week before we wrap it up, I was reading in the Wall Street Journal, no less, in the health section. Wow. The hypothesis is made that if you sleep in socks, you're a psychopath. <laughs> I do not sleep in my socks. I'm just telling you. I'm just saying I just uh, don't use socks ever. This is a family <laughs> show. Eh? Yeah. If I ever see you walking around in your socks, then I'm going to have to leave. Okay. All right. Anyway, it's like the year started ages ago, and it's got a long way to go. Okay, next week. Uh, next week without socks. This show is part of the Africa Podcast Network. The biggest pod, pod network on the continent. For sales inquiries, please, please contact, contact us at info at africapodcastnetwork.com.